What more can one say? This is game seven. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, I am Keegan, here with my brother Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hey, friends. Uh, as always, please remember to rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google, wherever you find podcasts. You can also, you know, download us there. That would be spectacular. Follow us as well on Twitter and Instagram at Little Hockey Pod. And with all that out of the way, Let's go once again to Jordan's betting corner. How have you been doing this last week, Jordan? Any better, um, any worse? You know what? Like, I'm winning a lot of bets, but I'm losing money. <laughs> How does that work? Uh, it's just like you, I, I keep winning on the, uh, the favorites, and their payout isn't covering my losses on the underdogs who are not winning. Um, so I've adjusted my strategy for, di- for today. Uh, I went back to using a Kelly calculator to help me uh, determine how much money to put on an, like an individual bet. And I'm liking my odds tonight of coming away with uh, some pretty good, um, uh, with a pretty good payout on the three games I bet on. I've got some uh, like, got a bit of change on the lightning, the Kings and the coyotes tonight. So uh, we'll see how those games go. I think, um, the Lightning right now are leading. Yeah, they're up 2 nothing over for the Hurricane, so that's looking pretty good for me. But, um, yeah, you, you know what? I am pissed at the uh, Canadians because, holy <laughs> shit, like, we'll touch on it in a bit. But, yeah, last night Montreal lost me 8 bucks because they suck and they're garbage. Um, and I guess that's why they fired their coach. Yeah. Josh Norris and Tim Stutzel getting uh, Claude Julien uh, the boot there after those uh, nifty shootout goals against Carey Price. Um, it's it's kind of hard to like. Obviously, that wasn't what cost him his job. That's like saying um, Mark Andre Fleury lost Babcock his job, right? It's not that wasn't the principal factor. That was just what happened or the final straw. Um, well, it is- even that the the game Tuesday night. It- I was listening to uh, TSN 1200 this morning and um, supposedly uh, coming out of Montreal was that this decision was made yesterday. So uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was made Tuesday before the game and it was kind of like, regardless of the outcome, Julian was going to be let go. Okay. I did not hear that. I heard that uh, some players, I think Shea Weber mentioned that, um, there was a bit of tension in the locker room. Uh, I don't remember when that was, but I remember hearing that somewhere. Um, so it kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall for Claude Julian. How long has he been there? Do you know? Apparently it was, it's been five years. Holy crap. Yeah. Like, I, I, 
you, you could have told me it's Montreal been like had... three and I would have believed you. But yeah, apparently it's been five yeah. years. Montreal has not been the most consistent in those five years because in 2017, let's not forget that they were, I believe, the top team in the Atlantic. If I remember that correctly, Um, because Ottawa and Boston were uh, three and two, respectively. And that was the first round of the playoffs. I remember that because everyone was hoping for Montreal, Boston in the second round and ended up being Ottawa and the Rangers. Mm -hmm. But it's it's hard to blame him entirely because you can only put on the ice what your GM gives you. Right. It seems like Ottawa or Ottawa Montreal is in the upward trajectory, especially with the uh utilization of Suzuki and Kakniemi, although Suzuki's been on a bit of a cold streak lately. Uh, but I believe, um, not Julian, uh, Bergevin said it today. Sometimes you just need a new voice in the locker room. Like, uh, well, you, you, can o- you can only hear the same message so much, right? No coach is permanent. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, um, it does sound like there were some things that Julian was doing that kind of led to this. Um, like he, he's one of the few coaches in the league that still was rolling four lines, regardless of like game situation. Um, and that was frustrating. A lot of the offensive players on the Canadians, they'd be like losing late in the game and he'd still be rolling his third and fourth line out for regular shifts instead of just going between his, his uh, top offensive units. And that kind of led to some, uh, I guess some pouty faces in the uh, Canadians locker room. And I guess that made its way up to Bergevin. And then now with uh, this recent losing streak and skid here, uh, it was just kind of the, the last few straws that broke the camel's back. So is this kind of the players dictating an organizational change? It's kind of um, what it sounds like after what you just described. I, I don't think it's necessarily like the players saying, get this guy out of here. I, I think it was more so do something. It, it, yeah. It's just like at, at some point, if the players don't like a situation and the GM is looking at it and saying, uh, yeah, this isn't working, then it's just kind of all of these, uh, these different factors coming together to help you make a decision. Right. Okay. Some, sometimes things just go like a, a whole bunch of dominoes that aren't really lined up together, just fall in the same direction. And you're like, well, I guess this is kind of the way we're headed now. Um, and I think that's what happened here. It's uh, I, I don't think it, it was um, the kind of thing where the players just go up to uh, Bergevin's office and say, get rid of this guy or trade everybody type thing. Right. It yeah. was just like the players were unhappy Bergevin and so could, was the GM and the, yeah. And the GM could see that because he really thinks that this is a top level, like cup contender roster and they weren't playing like it, especially over the last little while, uh, ever since they stopped playing the Canucks, uh, coincidentally. Yeah. Who would have thought that playing one of the worst defensive teams in the league would, um, bump your numbers up, eh? Almost exclusively playing. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't they a Vancouver team that couldn't complete a simple pass or like get a shot on net or get a save for some reason, Montreal looked like a juggernaut when they played them five times in 10 days. And then uh, to put that in perspective, uh, Ottawa has gone three and one against Montreal this year. Yeah. 
Now, that being said, Montreal does not have a strong record against the worst team in the league over the last few seasons. They got no, the, did, the, didn't they, they their get season, swept by Detroit last year? Yeah, the their season series? series against Detroit, they got swept four games to none last year. Yeah. That, oh, so funny. maybe Montreal just can't play the, the bottom team. Yeah, they play down to their opponent too much yeah. to the point where their opponent outplays them. Yeah. Um, but before we get into any of that, especially with uh, Ottawa doing what they did the last week, uh, let's head over to the Leafs because they also beat the Habs. And a few other interesting notes happened in this past week. So, Jordan, I will let you take over. What has gone on in the Leafs this past week? Oh, well, w- like you said, we beat the Habs on Saturday night and they look pretty good doing it too. Um, in hindsight, maybe the Leafs look good doing it because the Habs are garbage. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you, you know, best goalie in the world, Carey Price, is playing like, you know, the 35th best goalie in the league and uh, second best goalie on his own team. Uh, kind of weird how the stats have been indicating that that might be the case throughout the entire season, yet somehow Canadians fans and management there seem to think that he's still uh, 2014 Carey Price. Uh, that being said, I, I can't uh, rag on the Canadians too much for their goaltending because now it looks like uh, the Leafs are going with starter Michael Hutchinson for the foreseeable future because he he started the the games what Monday night against uh, Calgary and he's in again tonight. So uh, you know that's terrifying. Yeah, I, I I heard that on my drive home today, and you know it, I almost like swerved off the road not just because of all of the snow we've been getting in Ottawa today. (laughs) Um, So I honestly, Jack Campbell cannot heal fast enough. We need to uh, find him some stem cells or something to eat so that he can uh, just, or just all of the steroids in the world to help him recover from whatever the hell is going on with him. Uh, Or all the morphine. So he can't feel the pain. Oh yeah. I don't want to do that to him though. He, he seems like a nice guy. I don't want to cripple him for life. (laughs) Because you know what? That would mean that Michael Hutchinson is going to be our backup goalie next season too. And After starting the year as your fourth goalie. Yeah, man, do I not want that. Um, So, you know what? I'm I'm going to be wallowing in anxiety tonight watching this uh, second game in the uh, Leafs and Flames series. Um, Hopefully, Frederick Anderson gets back soon because this Leafs team is going to be in trouble if he's going to be down long term and there still doesn't really seem to be that solid of a timeline on Jack Campbell's return. Yeah. He got injured really early in the year. How many games has Campbell played? Like two? He played two games. Yeah. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't bode very well. He was a pretty solid backup for you in the few contests he got in last year. So it it would be really, well, it'd be nice for you to get him back. I'm kind of hoping you stick with Hutchison and wool for the foreseeable future as a sense fan. It could be worse. I don't really know how it could be worse. It could be <laughs> Bernier and Sparks. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bernier is the only goalie on the planet that has been able to win games for the Detroit Red Wings over the last year and a half. So, you know what? He wouldn't be the worst. Tom, Jonathan Bernier, elite question mark? <laughs> the only goalie that's able to get the Red Wings wins. Yeah, um, I think Thomas Grice has one or two this year and like 13 losses. If he has one or two wins, they came in the last couple days because uh, 
Jonathan Bernier, uh, up until like pretty recently, was the only Red Wings goalie to have had a win in the last like 370 days or something. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Freddie really needs to get back. <laughs> as, <laughs> as as much as he can drive me nuts with his inconsistent play, like I'd much rather have him back there than you know. Uh, have to cover my eyes every time a uh, a dump from the far blue line comes within 16 feet of the Leafs net with Michael Hutchinson in it. It also just throws me off that Hutchinson is a righty. Anytime I see him playing, it just completely throws me for a loop. It does, and it, it throws me off too, which is funny because whenever I play goalie, I also catch right. Um, so it, weirdo. Hey, you know what? May, maybe I should just strap on Hutch's pads and see how much... Uh, how many stops I, I can make? I'm sure I could also get like a 750 save percentage in the NHL too, right? Some of them have to hit me. <laughs> I'll I'll block some just by being in the net. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, I did a quick little look. Want to hear something absolutely ridiculous? What's that? Jonathan Bernier mm-hmm. in nine games this year has four wins, three losses, and a 914 save percentage. Yeah, like he's he's doing really good for the Red Wings. And Thomas Grice in 14 games has one win, 10 losses, three overtime losses, 891 save percentage. Yeah, it's crazy. Jonathan Bernier is the only goalie that can play for the Red Wings right now. You know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They better be giving him a lot of money. But one thing that, although I haven't been following Toronto very closely, one thing I have been hearing a lot of is a lot of William Nylander hate. What's that all about? it's about a bunch of people that see a, a handsome guy with long hair skating around the ice and not liking him for the being pretty. Yeah. It's cause he's hot, right? He's hot. So we've had this conversation before. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, no, the, the thing with him is e- even me, like I'm definitely a William Nylander defender. I, I'm a fan of his, but at the same time, sometimes it's just like, Hey man, how about you like pick up the pace a little bit? Um, the, the the biggest criticism against him is that he just has no urgency in his game, which sometimes is really good because he can just, uh, like we saw in the bubble, uh, in that uh, the Leafs comeback against the Blue Jackets when they, they were down 3-0 and came back in the last few minutes to tie it and then win in overtime. Um, in that situation, Nylander's lack of urgency is really good because he settles things down and he's very calm with the puck. And he's exactly what you need in kind of those frantic, oh. dying minutes. What's up? You just went all robot voice. Oh, son of a bitch, you're going all robot voice. Okay, one sec. 24-hour delay here between recordings, because uh, first our internet crapped out on us, and then Keegan's laptop decided to stop receiving or... Working outputting uh, any audio so that that was that was great um well we'll just try to hop back into it as best as we can last we were talking about we, we were um just starting to touch on william elander and uh, all of the struggles he's been having recently and then he immediately went off and popped off uh, a two-goal performance in a 2-1 overtime win over the flames on wednesday night so uh I don't know. Do we have anything further to say about criticizing William Nylander, Keegan? <laughs> uh, minus last night, he was nigh invisible. 
But, uh, I mean, for you guys, hopefully this is him taking a step to getting back on track. Um, I was going to rag on him on how he had only like two points in the prior nine games or something and was a, an even and plus minus averaging less than two shots on goal per game. But like, hey, man, I'm glad I didn't say that because he would have made me look like a friggin' idiot last night. So it's good for Willie, good for the Leafs. Um, I mean, as a Sense fan, I always cheer against you, but I mean, I don't cheer against the players, just the team. Uh, yeah, um, with uh, with that performance last night, like it, it was kind of a weird game because it wasn't. Neither team looked super dominant in it, at least not to me. Um, the Leafs had a lot of really good chances. Um, big save, Dave Riddick stood on his head for a lot of them. Um, Didn't you almost double their shots? Oh yeah, it was crazy. I think we had like thirty-seven shots to twenty or something. It, it was very close to doubling them in shots. Um, and you know what, uh, before we go any further on this, uh, I've just got to uh, retract all of my Michael Hutchinson slander. Because um, <laughs> I, I just listened back to a little bit of what we said, and I, I think I, I've said that uh, every dump from the far blue line that hits the net gives me anxiety. And you know what? that His performance on Wednesday night was uh, very quiet. Like there was not a whole lot of uh, saves that he made where I was like, oh boy, he like, got just enough of that to prevent it from going in. He was controlling his rebounds really well. He was tracking the puck really well. He, he looked really good in that. And hopefully we get more performances like that out of Hutchinson. Um, Doesn't he have like an above 920 save percentage? Well, he's played he, in, uh, he's, three games. He's played, yeah, I guess he's played three games and he's let in six goals now, right? Like three against Ottawa and three against, uh, or four, four or so seven goals in three games, which isn't terrible. Um, no, especially for like the technically third string goalie, like not a whole lot of other teams are going to be getting that out of their third string goalie. Let's not forget that early in the season, Ottawa, Ottawa's goalies were letting in five goals a game. Yeah, each. I miss those days. I don't. Uh, those, th- hey, those days made me a good amount of money. Um, but, yeah, I bet they did. <laughs> um, but yeah, b- back to Nylander, um, that performance last night was a good reminder of why he is so valuable because he can be quiet for an entire game or a few games. And then he can just take control and in in a rush, like he had in overtime and just come out of nowhere and score the game winning goal like that. And he scored a, like a, a dirty grinding goal down in the, in the front of the net in a scramble to tie the game up too. So like for, for all the people that get, uh, get on him for being like lackadaisical or whatever it's just like i i get it because it's frustrating to watch him knowing that he has all of this talent and he's not moving at 100 miles an hour like some other guys do but just keep in mind that he doesn't have to move at 100 miles an hour to be effective some other guys do have to do that but he doesn't uh he he's a lot more calm especially with the puck than uh a lot of people might care to see somebody be calm like it you know going back to that uh the play he had back in in the bubble where uh he was breaking out of the leaf zone and he handles the puck under pressure directly in front of the leaf's empty net 
given everyone a heart attack. Me included. Like I was like, holy shit, what are you doing, man? Get it away from there. All 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 it's gonna take is a uh like a half like a, a, a stick check or a swatted stick to put that into your own net. So um yeah, but it, it was a quiet night for the Leafs overall last night un- until the last couple minutes of the game when they realized they had to really pour it on. And then uh, Nylander and Matthews had a good rush in overtime to win it. you love to see yeah, it. Nylander seems to be, he's not a dynamic player. He's a very controlled player, you know? Like you'll never, oh, not never, but you'll rarely see him create any kind of highlight play. Like him and Mitch Marner, are both very effective in different ways. Marner, you, you, it's very easy to notice when he is playing well. With Willie, it's oh, you got to be a bit more of a, a hockey scholar to notice when Willie is playing well because it's a little more subtle, it's a little more technical, and it's just it's not flashy. He's not really the flashiest player. No, he he can he's he very can skilled. Be. He can be flashy, but you're yes. you're right. Like he he's not. He's not trying to make a lot of the same plays that uh, Marner does. And yes. you know what? Sometimes I wish Marner would just try to make a simple play instead of the like galaxy brain shit that he tries to pull every so often. Um, but uh, yeah, that's like, like you said, Nylander can be a lot more subtle, especially than uh, like Marner and Matthews. Cause uh, especially this season, it's all ob- their skill is obvious. Yeah, their skill is incredibly obvious. And then uh, Nylander seems he's really good at using his body to shield the puck, especially down low. Um, and that's not necessarily the the kind of skill that gets you on the highlight reel, right? <laughs> no, strength doesn't get you on the highlight unless you're Dustin Bufflin. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully Wednesday night's game against Calgary is uh, getting Nylander to. Uh, bust this slump that he's in now we just need to bust the Tavares slump how long has he's been in that slump for a little while now has like basically since the first couple games of the season he looked really good off the off the hop and then you know since Matthews took off Tavares has kind of fallen off a little bit um it's it's kind of concerning with Tavares just because you you know, he's 30 years old now. You kind of look at it and you're like, well, he, he was never a super strong skater to begin with. Um, his skill come or his, his skill set is most valuable in tight to the net. And, you know, that's kind of the same area where Nylander excels too. So you've got two guys that are kind of the same on the, or, or uh, that benefit in the same area on the same line together. And, it, it, it doesn't seem to be working out this season as it did last year. Uh, but also it's like, you got to kind of worry if this is the, uh, the decline starting to set in for Tavares and maybe he needs somebody that can uh, offer a different skill set to, uh, to help him be more effective in his own skill set. Yeah. Tavares to me is always like when you talk about Toronto's big four up front, Tavares, even though he's making the second most amount of money, always seemed to be the, I don't want to say weakest link, but the, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this politely. Cause I don't mean to shoot off on well, him. The thing is, is that he, he doesn't have the same skills as the other three guys, right? 
he doesn't have well, he not- doesn't have the the like blistering shot that Matthews does. He doesn't have the speed no. that the other three have. Um, and and even like Nylander's got a better shot than Tavares does. He doesn't have the passing I, ability that Marner does. Like to me, Tavares' skills just don't translate in regards to longevity at a high level. Like, well, it, it's it's his hockey IQ, his hands, like you know, your stick handling ability slows down as you get older. But well, yeah, but if, his, if hand, still... his stick handling in open ice is not great to begin no, with. No, it's it's in tight where he, he's always been. Uh, where he's always been proficient. Yeah, he's always been really good at stick handling and tight to the net. Um, but like I said, like he's on a line with Nylander, who is, when the puck is in tight, Nylander's the one who's trying to finish it, right? He's not looking to uh, get the puck over to Tavares or anything. Sure. It's just, I don't know. I've, um, I don't see. The, I don't want to say I don't see the value. I don't see Tavares as high of a value player as a lot of other people do. Like To me, Tavares isn't even a top 10, maybe at this point not even a top 15 center in this league. Not forward, center. Probably. And you know what? Like We could be getting to the point where Tavares isn't a center anymore. He could be a winger now. Sure. And that, that, kind that, of like that... how Claude Giroux transitioned. Yeah, exactly. Um but kind of what what I've been laying the breadcrumbs for the last couple of minutes here for is uh, I think it's it might be time for us to uh, split up Matthews and Marner for a game or two so that we can try out uh, Matthews, Nylander, and Tavares and Marner again. Yeah, but do you really want to split up probably the best, if not second best duo in hockey right now? If it means like those guys are almost single handedly winning you games, minus last night, yeah. And you know what? We've got uh, a second line of some uh, assassins as well, and we need to get those guys going so that we're not just relying on Matthews, who like we're we're hoping that Matthews scores 50 goals in a 56 game season in order to uh finish first in the division. That's probably not like a super sustainable goal for us to achieve, as not with that attitude. As much as I want it to happen, uh, I I don't think it's going to be the uh, you know the path of least the, yeah, the path of least resistance for some long term success going forward. So we need like all caps bolded underlined in a hundred point font here. We need the second line, whoever is playing on it, to be scoring as well. Uh, and I think in order to do that, I, we may need to uh, give Tavares his uh, his buddy back in Mitch Marner. And then, you know what? Like, it could be the kind of thing where Marner moves back and forth between the first and second line in order to help out both of those players. That being said, I don't think Matthews needs Marner as much as Tavares might at this point. I think Matthews can do a lot of the stuff he's been doing on his own or with anybody that can feed him the puck. Uh, you don't need Mitch Marner galaxy braining passes to to Matthews in order to get Matthews goals, uh, but you might need Marner's dynamic playmaking ability and stick handling in order to get the puck to Tavares. Man, I just 
that eleven million dollar cap it gets worse every year. I I don't think it's all that bad right now. Um, it will be at some point, but you know what? If if that's in a few years and hopefully a Stanley Cup away, then it'll be worth it. Tavares should not be getting paid top five player in the league money though. A a free agent, uh, you know, he he was a, an unrestricted free agent signing and. They're overpaid to start off, right? Um, sure. Well, I guess he was offered to be the mo- the highest paid player. San Jose offered him like $13 million, apparently. Yeah, and I'm sure Montreal's um, offer would have been in that range too, but he didn't want to meet with them. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. You never heard that? No, that's been a running joke with the Leafs forever, is that uh, Tavares didn't even meet with the Canadians. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't even know that. I know that he obviously didn't go with them, but I didn't hear he wouldn't even meet them. Uh, wow, that's kind of funny. But yeah, it's you. You know what? I, as much as like the second line trouble is is concerning, it's not even my biggest worry right now. the The biggest concern facing the Leafs this week is uh, all of the injuries we have. Um, yeah, that kind of just dropped one day. Like here are four injuries, and then it just kept coming too. Like uh, Thornton, Thornton and uh, Robertson were injured to start like early on in the season, and then Thornton came back, and now he's tweaked something else, and he's out. Um, Muzzin broke a bone in his face. Our starting goalie and our backup goalie are both injured with stuff. Uh, it's 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 one of those things where it's hard to evaluate the the team's performance right now just based off of how many. Uh, guys are injured and the roles that those guys play as well Um, because you you know it would be one thing if it was like Travis Boyd and some other guys that were in and out of the lineup every other day uh, that were getting injured but it's uh, as weird as it is to say 41 year old Joe Thornton might be like kind of a key piece to uh, our top six here uh, uh, you talk about recipes for success. I mean, hey, like he, I, it, I can't say much. It is working. It, it is like, but also it is mostly working against the senators. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Well, that, that makes me feel a little worse. That, that's where like all but one or two of Thornton's points have come from. He's got like seven points, and six of them or five of them are against Ottawa. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, those are the only games he's healthy for. That's true too. He's played like th- four games and three of them against Ottawa. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be really rough if the Leafs can't stay healthy for the rest of the season. Um, I, ideally, these guys are all going to come back within the next few weeks, and hopefully, that should be it for the rest of the season. But um, well, it, isn't Matthews dealing with a nagging like wrist injury? It or seems so, and that might. Um, kind of explain i didn't notice him shooting all that much against calgary on wednesday night so maybe that'll be uh an explanation for it yeah but then there's another problem if matthews isn't scoring like we saw the last two games against calgary who the hell is at right now um so it, it's just more pressure on nylander and Tavares to find their game well hopefully for your sake Tavares has a game like nylander just had where he can just take over and show his captain material. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> Still think that was another big mistake, but that, Hey, I'm just a sense fan on the outside looking in. Um, 
Do you have anything else that you want to mention about the last week in uh, Leafsland? Uh, no, but you know what? Speaking of on the outside looking in, um, oh shit! What, what's his name? Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Smooth transition, Jordan. I can't remember what's his first name. Brendan. Brian? I knew it was a B. I was like, it's not Brian Gallagher. That sounds stupid. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Brendan Gallagher was on the uh, inside of the crease, looking into the. Uh, Sends net. Oh, this is a garbage transition. Um, anyways, there was a disallowed goal that a bunch of people got. Sends <laughs> Habs game earlier this week. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, just, uh, you know, as an impartial observer to the uh, the Sens Habs game, Keegan. Oh, it should have been a goal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You thought so? Oh, 100%. Okay. Like, uh, did Gallagher run into Murray? Yes. Was it entirely his fault? I don't think he could have fully gotten out of the way, but Zaitsev kind of had him at a weird angle where like Zaitsev kind of forced him into Murray, but Gallagher definitely took advantage of that and um, exaggerated the contact a bit more. You like trying to get just like, well, if I have to run into him, I'm going to make sure I get um, that he gets him, which fair enough. Like I'm sure if Brady Kachuk was in his shoes, he would do the exact same. Right. You're going to push me into your goalie? All right, I'm going to make sure I hit him then. But I feel like Murray, if Gallagher had enough time to hit Murray, get up, reset, and tip the goal, Matt Murray had enough time to reset, I think. Okay, so you have the correct answer, but for the wrong reason. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let me explain. And I I was actually pretty happy. uh, Because we recorded this this part of the podcast a, a day after uh we started recording the other part of it um i i I was listening to the athletic hockey show with uh, ian mendez and sean McIndoe, better known as down goes brown on the internet um and i on tuesday night i guess it was when when that goal happened i had this same thought that uh down goes brown kind of more clearly explained than what i was going to be able to do um Okay. So he said that there, there's a handful of things that you're looking for in a goaltender interference call. And what you mentioned that, oh, like, was Gallagher pushed into the, the goalie? And it's like, well, okay, he, he was bumped, but he wasn't. He was angled into it. He was angled Murray. into it. So you know what? That is goaltender interference, right? It, it's not like he got bumped in, so it, it, it should count. No, it's. He needs to do everything in his power, even if he is bumped or pushed in to the crease. He needs to do everything like humanly possible in order to avoid contact with the goalie. And he didn't. Uh, And then he he ended up uh, spinning Murray around. At which point, you're right, I do think that Murray had enough time to reset because he was able to turn and face the uh the puck where it was coming from and he got up off of his knees as well yeah the problem to me and why the goal should have counted in my eyes is you can see murray turn his head to look at the to the the referee and in that time he could have fully reset yeah so it the the reset means that the goalie is going to be it like standing or in the proper position in the location he wants to be in, 
in order to make a save or play the puck how, like how he would normally do it. So in that circumstance, he would have been facing the point where the puck was kind of up on his feet or in, in like the goalie ready position, like he was getting into and then towards the top of the crease, right? Because the puck was further away. So he'd be out challenging. To me, because he turns and looks at the ref, that takes away the time that he would have fully gotten into ready position. So to me, yes, there was goaltender interference, but Murray did yes. have an opportunity to reset, which he didn't take because he was looking for a penalty. Yeah, which if you don't reset because of your own, I don't want to say ignorance, but if you don't reset because you get distracted, that's not on the player that interfered with you. That's on yourself. And you, you know what? It reminds me of uh, of probably like getting close to 10 years ago now of uh, when Roberto Luongo was on the Canucks in the playoffs. I think they were playing against uh, Chicago. And it was in overtime. Oh. Yeah, it, it, it was in overtime and something happens. I can't remember if he got bumped into or there was another he got bumped. or there was another play or something that happened in front of him. So he turns to look at the ref to be like, well, what the hell's going on? Are you going to call something? Turns back and then the puck goes past him. Yeah. Right. It's like you've got to play to the whistle. You can't be looking over at the ref while play is going on, trying to draw a call or looking for a call or arguing something. Uh, so yeah to me that should have been a goal and not just because yes. i had eight dollars riding on it <laughs> <laughs> that ottawa went ruined for yeah. you by winning in the shootout yeah. but I, I i made it up on wednesday night i will say not that this is uh, jordan's betting corner again but uh yeah wednesday night the the bets that i laid out in the first 15 minutes of this episode they all came through for me that's good yeah. but <sighs> Like I'm happy the goal went. I'm happy the call went my way, and I'm especially happy Ottawa managed to beat Carey Price in a shootout, which I, I was not expecting. Uh, you know what? I think uh, Montreal's like 0 for two in shootouts or something this uh, this season. So every, yeah, but I think Ottawa everybody's beating them in shootouts. Ottawa was one of, if not the worst shootout team in the league last year. Oh yeah. Well, I guess you've got better shooters this year now. And goalies. Yeah. Because that was when it was like Craig Anderson. I mean, I guess Hogberg was still there, but he lost most of his games in overtime, not the shootout. And then Anders Nielsen was the other guy. Yeah, he didn't. He only played until Christmas, though. And it, it kind of sounds like his career's done, which really sucks. Yeah, it does. Um, but one thing I... <sighs> okay, I am not a fan of there being a permanent roster or taxi squad spot for Michael Haley. Yeah. And that, that's what we were going to get onto, right? I, yeah. you took away my opportunity for an actual good transition there, Keegan. Geez. Well, say, sucks to suck. Speaking of guys that aren't playing anymore. <laughs> Michael Haley. Well, well, he is playing. No, we, we had uh, uh, some Twitter interactions with uh, the one and only Mark Mathot. Oh, that was more so you than me. So I'll let you uh, take the lead on this. Oh yeah. It, it was just that uh, the, the other day, um, I, I guess it was Tuesday during the day before the Sens game. Um, when the lines were announced. Yeah, when the lines were announced. There was a lot of people um, getting upset about Michael Haley being in the lineup again and uh, kind of kicked off uh, 
an exchange between Steve Lloyd of TSN twelve hundred and Mark Mathot on Twitter, uh, where they like Steve Lloyd was just kind of asking some rhetorical questions about lineup decisions and uh, the response to uh, who was it? Was it Paul Byron or um, who who was it that speared Tim Stutzla in the face? Dino. Dino. Okay, Phil Dino. Yeah. There, there was kind of some anticipation that there was going to be some retribution from the senators for that uh, stick to the face that Tim Stutzla took from uh, Philip Deneau. He's taken a lot of flack from the Habs. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, ben Sherratt being the the worst one, probably. Yeah, but so so then Mark Mathak kind of jumped into this conversation to say, uh, or to explain from like a player's perspective of what a guy like Michael Haley brings to a team, and his argument was. Yeah, all right, here, here, I'll, I'll read what he said. He said that having Haley in the lineup absolutely makes a difference, whether we like to admit it or not. When I started playing against a team, or when I played against a team who had a tough guy, it usually affected my style. Uh, I'd think twice before taking runs at players, etc. It also just provides a level of comfort for the skilled guys. It quiets down the opposition. Having said that, you don't always need him in there, but... We did win the other night, so if it ain't broke, so he yeah he's basically saying like um, that a guy like Haley is going to have an impact on the other team just by being like the intimidator. It's basically the the effect that everyone's argued the enforcer has always had in hockey, right? Uh, that it's going to prevent people from doing stuff like Phil Deneau did, even though Haley was in the lineup when Deneau did it. <laughs> also, I don't know how threatening someone who's 511 can be to these hockey I, I know and that was that was what I asked okay so from from our podcast account I I asked I said an honest question does Haley have the reputation in the league to have this kind of mental impact on opponents he doesn't seem to have the track record of a guy like uh Chris Neal or Ty Domi etc so are the Habs guys really concerned about him if he's not considered a heavyweight Chris Neal and Ty Domi also two smaller enforcers. They were, but they had reputations as being heavyweights. I had never heard yes. of Michael Haley until this season, and he's played over 200 Same. NHL games. I know. I was just kind of putting that into context, whereas Mike, Michael Haley is this current-day small enforcer that no one's heard about, mm-hmm. and Neil and Domi were like early 2000s small enforcers that everybody knew because they always hit and punched above their weight class. Right. So then taking that into consideration, what Mathot then – uh, responded to that was that 10 to 15 years ago, Haley probably wouldn't have that impact. But in today's NHL, yes. It's uh, more importantly than his reputation. I'm kind of uh, uh, adding some stuff in here. He, uh, so more importantly, he's a willing combatant and players, knows, players know this. That's all it takes. Uh, like a, a player is going to think, oh, if I have to take a run at Stutzel, I'm going to have to go with Haley. At the very least, uh, he'd get called out for it. So no thanks, I'm just not going to do it. Um, so it, it's basically like, as the game has gotten to be more skilled, you don't need a heavyweight guy in, uh, in your lineup in order to deter the other team from doing anything. You just need a guy who's willing to uh, like rough you up a little bit because there are more skilled players in everybody's lineup and those skilled players are less willing to drop the mitts or uh you know get their hands dirty with uh, some physical stuff uh when 
things go sideways, right? So yeah. again, that being said, Haley was in the lineup when this happened and nothing came of it. And it happened to begin with. So it seems like the Habs aren't all that intimidated by Haley. And uh, him, like there being no response on uh, in Tuesday night's game certainly doesn't help his case either, right? Also, you know who's been in the lineup for every Sens game this year? Uh, Eric Goodbranson. And Austin Watson. Oh, shit. Both of them. Both of them, like not necessarily enforcers, but two big grinder, grinding type players that are willing to fight. Goodbranson had a really good scrap with someone early in the year. I forget who it was. But like those guys are there. And we brought them in to not necessarily be tough guys but to help shelter and protect the kids and the guy who had to answer the bell against montreal was brady kachuk yeah who management and coaching has gone on record to say they want him fighting less well if no one else is going to do it he's not the kind of guy who's going to sit there and do nothing he's going to he's going to take exception to you going after his team and there was a cool best friend jimmy it's going to say when brady was in the uh box after friggin' beating the crap out of Sherratt, that little glance that Timmy gave him mm-hmm. and the little like smile and wink. Oh, it was great. It was hilarious. Yeah. I lo- that bromance between the two of them is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah like, like if Michael Haley's I, his entire purpose on this team is to hit and punch people and he doesn't do it no and he he doesn't seem he's not effective in any other role either and he's not playing very many minutes like i think that game on tuesday he played like eight minutes three three minutes was that what he had uh not on the first game he played okay he had less than four minutes of ice time yeah because i I thought he played more two games against montreal he had like a total of 17 minutes between the two games oh i don't even think it was that high okay no because um he played more in the second game because uh, Stepan got injured. So there was just more ice to go around, but I would be thoroughly surprised if he played more than 13 minutes between the two games. Yeah. But, but like I, I can appreciate my thoughts point, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't think that um, I, I guess, I guess my, my issue with it more so is that I don't think Haley is the guy. I, I don't think Haley is the guy that is uh, getting into the other team's head before the game um, because he's not the guy that's dragging an unwilling combatant into a fight. And he's also not the guy that's doing insane shit to your star players. Right. Like wh- how many players can you think of are genuinely like tough guy in- intimidators in the league right now? Like I think Ryan Reeves. Yeah, for sure. May maybe Lucic though he's kind of he's kind of losing that hey, you, edge to his. You game. know what? You just have to skate fast enough, and you don't have to worry about Milan Lucic. Sure, uh, Zdeno Chara is Zdeno Chara. Yeah, because Everyone's always... he's the monster that lives under your bed. <laughs> yeah, um, Tom Wilson because he's just a dirty friggin' player. Uh, and, and after that, that, I start struggling to think of names. Boro Cop. But you know what? He's in he's in Nashville, so you don't even have to worry about him. Not only that, but he's trying to fight less. Yeah, he said it himself because he had a lot of uh, concussion. Well, and, he uh, he got into a pretty friggin' like heavyweight bout with uh, Nick Foligno last week. Oh, did yeah. he? I didn't see that. Oh, it, it was. Uh, I retweeted it on our uh, podcast account, and I 
threw in a, a an, an, a local Ottawa joke and uh, it didn't take, like there was no traction whatsoever on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, unsu- unsurprising all... that, uh, you know, our 35 followers didn't, uh, didn't see it or didn't connect with it. Well, not only, well, think about it. How many people listen to the show are from Ottawa? Like none of them. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're all from Columbus, Ohio and Hamtrak, uh, Michigan. You're right. I guess, I, <laughs> like I said, I need to uh, look up some stuff from those, those towns and uh, see how we can, we can incorporate that and get some more traction there. Yeah, but honestly, like I, I can't think of many players that have that mental effect. Like I know my thought was saying like 10, 15 years ago, no, because Haley's track record isn't impressive, mainly because I don't know who's on it. Yeah. Like, like I don't know if like the tough guy enforcer role in my opinion, should not be in the league anymore. No, as, as, as I'm not. Because... I'm not saying take away fighting. I'm just saying having a guy whose entire purpose is to punch people and injure people. That is not the NHL today. You can have a guy who's physical, but he needs to be able to play hockey as well. Yeah, definitely. And it just doesn't seem like Haley is that guy. That. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Well, m- moving on from that because. You know, it's it's kind of old news now. Up until uh, Haley gets into the lineup for another game. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one thing I did want to mention, or th- I have a few more things that I want to talk about for the Senators here. Um, Drake Batherson, he has been on a heater. I think he's got something like five or six points in his last three games, and uh, him and Tim Stutzel have just been developing this absolutely great chemistry. And both of them are getting on the scoreboard almost every single night. And it's, as a sense fan, wanting the kids to take over, seeing this just, oh, it fills my heart. Especially since Batherson is one of the older, quote-unquote, kids at 22. And Stutzel's the youngest kid at 19. Seeing them just click and complement each other the way they have been, oh, it. It gets me excited to see when the two of them can single-handedly win games for us. Um, they're just everything about them. Their confidence levels going up. Batherson has had a couple really nice goals. Stutzel's shootout goal against Carey Price. I have watched. I don't know how many times. Seeing those fast hands to try and bait out Price and just beat him with a clean shot for his first ever shootout attempt is just. Ah, just injected into my veins. It is lovely. Hopefully they can keep that up. Um, the Calgary game starts in, well, it's two minutes as of this second recording, but puck drop probably closer to 10 minutes away. Um, so hopefully they can keep that going. But another young guy that has been doing very well is Brady. I said this before, and I will say this again. Brady Kachuk is the is the number one person for Ottawa's next captain. And I don't think they're like people say like, oh, Shabbat or, you know, maybe someone else. To me, it is not a debate. Shabbat does not put this team on his back the way Brady Kachuk does. Brady Kachuk is the heart and soul of the Ottawa Senators. He is the player that gravitates people towards cheering for this team. And he's also the player 
that makes this team hated as we are because of our playing style and a guy that can be loved and hated like that should be your leader. I think. Yeah. He, he is Ottawa's identity. I, I do. I'd agree that uh, Kachuk should be the next captain of the, uh, the senators. I, I probably, I may not have said that before this season, but um, this just, just the way he's played this year. You can see that he's, he's pretty determined to make sure that Ottawa doesn't finish in last place. Well, he's been saying since the beginning of the year, he's like, we're playing for the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, he's a little bit crazy, but um, that's fine. Sometimes you, well, sometimes you need if a Ottawa crazy. goes, If Ottawa goes on a heater here, you think we can't pass the shitty Vancouver Canucks, the struggling Flames, and the Met Oilers? I don't think you could pass all three of them. <laughs> uh, I think and also, you're, you're not trying to pass the Met Oilers. You're trying to pass the Met Canadians now. What did the Oilers pass the Canadians in the standings? In in points, yes, but not points percentage. Okay, because think about it: Ottawa had a bad stretch to start the year, and everyone out and Montreal had a good stretch to start the year. Edmonton's Edmonton, but all it takes now is a mid-season slump from a couple from a few teams, and Vancouver sticking to their status quo, and Ottawa picking up steam like we have been. I could see us landing, like, maybe not in the playoffs, but minimum fifth. I could see us hopping Vancouver, no problem, to be honest. You're five points behind Vancouver. If Montreal – and two games in hand. Yeah. Um, so we're – so theoretically, we're one point behind Vancouver. You you probably could pass Vancouver if you have a good series against Calgary. And if we and if that's the case, then I can see us passing Calgary in the near future. You are seven points behind Calgary with – and Calgary has a game at hand. Sure, but say so. We have five of our next games are against Calgary. Five of your next six, if, yeah. Yes. So, so there's ten. What ten if Ottawa takes four of those? What if Ottawa takes four? That of would those? be ridiculous. I do not think Ottawa's taking four out of uh, five or four out of five. I do not think it is likely. I think there is a ten percent chance he, it happens. If you take four out of five, you are still behind Calgary. Sure, but that closes that gap real quick. It does, and then you're you're still hoping that Vancouver continues to struggle, which it looks like they will be because uh, in their last ten, they're two six and two. They're the worst team in the uh, division in the last ten. I based on eye test and play, I would say Vancouver's the worst team in this division. Vancouver I think Ottawa was is the worst team over their last ten games in the league. They have the worst yes. record. I think Ottawa's pos- Ottawa's position in this division is not an accurate representation of the team today. It is a circumstance and um, uh, a, how do I say this? Um, yeah, it was just circumstance of early season bad goaltending and bad players. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there there's, was there's, an- there's fewer of those bad players getting lots of minutes now. There was an overusage of fringe NHL veterans. And now with the youth injection and Murray finding his game, Ottawa right now is playing like a minimum top five team in this division. I say we could beat Montreal. I would say Ottawa matches up pretty favorably against them. And Montreal standing is only um, 
where it is right now because of their early season series against Vancouver. Montreal against the rest of the North Division is a below 500 team, a well below 500 team. They're five, five, and four. Montreal's gotten like all of their wins against Vancouver, basically. Four of their nine wins are Vancouver. Again, again, against the rest of the division, they're five, five, and four. That is not great. And three of those losses came against Ottawa. Well, like I think we touched on in the first 15 minutes there, uh, Montreal does have a problem with last place teams. Sure. But they also have a problem with everyone else, it seems like. (laughs) They only don't have a problem with Vancouver. So I, I don't think Ottawa will make... Oh, sorry. I believe Ottawa can make the playoffs. I don't believe they will. It's, but I think that they, that start to the season is like it, it, made, it made them play the rest of the year with one hand tied behind their back. No matter how well they do, it's it's not not the end at the end of the season. It's not going to be uh, the result they get isn't going to be indicative of how well they've played over the last stretch of games. Sure, and that's entirely mind, due to the start. I completely understand that. Or sorry, the the 11 games they played where they won once. (laughs) 14 games, I think it was. 14 games. So it's only the last seven games where Ottawa started to turn it around. Four of our six wins came in the last six games. Like Ottawa, what would that be? Uh, I can't do math this quickly. Never mind. Um, But like we... Sorry, no, I'm just looking. uh, Toronto is six points ahead of Edmonton. For a first season. Is that more or less than what you thought? Yeah, that is more than what I thought. Um, and I, I was actually wrong. Um, Montreal is fourth in the division in both points and point percentage. Yeah, Winnipeg is finding their game, which is kind of nice to see. Yeah. It makes me validated when I said that they were going to do well. Winnipeg the, is... They've got three games in hand of Edmonton. Yeah, and they're three points back. So Winnipeg is uh, second in the division the... in points percentage. I yeah, Winnipeg is doing well. That's really cool to see. It's nice to see McDavid on a decent Oilers team. But like Vancouver, Cal I don't know Calgary very well because obviously Ottawa hasn't played them yet this year. But Vancouver and Montreal are two teams I could see Ottawa either passing or be very competitive and getting close to this year. But Playoffs is probably a more likely scenario for next year. Obviously, like you said, that start is hey, it, pretty. It's going to be tough for Ottawa to do that next year if we go back to the regular divisions. I don't think it'll be that tough because uh, don't forget uh, we have Detroit and Buffalo in our division, and they suck. Yeah, but you also have Toronto, Florida, Tampa, and Boston, and those three teams are all first and second in their respective divisions. You need sure. you need to be better than at least one of Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston. Plus, no, we don't. We can finish wild card. Plus, Montreal is in there too, and you know, if you assume Montreal I'm, is okay this season and give them the benefit of the doubt that they improve next year, uh, that could be a problem. And yeah, Detroit and Buffalo are in the division too, and they they suck. <laughs> Yeah, but give give Ottawa the benefit of the doubt that we are also going to improve. Yeah, like um, yeah, but yeah, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Sure. Um, the main one thing I would like to see this week and in this Calgary series is a look at Joey Decord. 
He didn't do very well in Belleville when he went down there to play a game. I think he let in five goals. But, you know, that was his first hockey game since in almost a full calendar year, I think. So I think we can be a little sympathetic and a little um, give him a bit of leeway. He, in all of our like goalie quote unquote prospects, even though he's the same age as Matt Murray, um, he is an interesting one because he went from this guy we drafted out of college playing to playing in the ECHL to being the best goalie in Belleville. And then everyone calling for him to be called up to get NHL time. Like he quickly rose from this guy we signed. Oh, we also drafted him in 2015, but this guy that we signed out of Arizona to a goalie who we, some fans are saying could be our future starter. I think I even said that. So getting a look at him in the NHL again would be, I think very beneficial just to kind of see where he's at, get him a bit of the taste for the NHL pace games. Um, but the way Matt Murray's been playing, like the court shouldn't steal a start from him yet. Just like maybe on the second half of back-to-back with Hogberg being injured, just throw the court in there to give Murray a break and uh, see if he sinks or swims, I guess. Um, but I was looking at Belleville the other day to see if any players should be called up. Uh, Logan Brown got called up and assigned to the taxi squad, even though I – I don't think Logan Brown finishes this season a senator, be it Belleville or Ottawa. It like, seems like it's going that way pretty quickly. Um, yeah. this, this could be kind of the last, you know, the last effort to see like, do we have something here? And, you know, if, if he can stick with the senators, like in the NHL this year, um, it seems like he, he could potentially get a tryout to do that over the next little bit. And if they say, no, we want to move on. Then, uh, you know, he's playing to impress 30 other teams, right? Yeah. You know, if it's time to move on, I heard Jack Eichel's available. Yeah, there you go. Well, what do you <laughs> think? That, what do you think gets it done? Um, Logan Brown, Philip Schlappick, and a third? Well, it can't be Philip Schlappick anymore. Oh, I, I suppose that's true. Um, yeah. Another advantage of doing this a day late. Uh, Philip Shalapik was placed on waivers. Everyone thought uh, maybe it was a uh, a transition because I think he was in Belleville at the time. uh, And people thought he was getting put on waivers to be brought up to the taxi squad. No, but it turns out there is no waivers to come up. There isn't, eh? Okay. Then I, I, sorry, I had that mixed up. Uh, But it turns out he was placed on there for contract termination. Yeah. Like Schlappick, it kind of sucks. He was a second round pick back in 2015. Um, Pretty skilled guy um, out of the Czech Republic. And there were some decent hopes for him when he was drafted and he just kind of never reached his potential. Um, He had pretty decent uh, defensive numbers in Ottawa in the, I think it was like 57 games he played. I mean, in 57 games, he got like 11 points, which isn't bad. But that was spread across three seasons. Um, He just kind of never really amounted to an NHL player. And at 23, he still has time to make a bit of a recovery. And maybe in a few years after playing in Europe and looking good, he can sign with uh, an NHL team for cheap. 
but he wasn't going to get an opportunity in Ottawa. He was way too down the depth chart. And it seems like he kind of wanted out and the team was like, yeah, that's probably for the best. Yeah. I imagine um, they probably offered him around and nobody was willing to give anything up for him. Right. So th- yeah, th- this way, like you said, he can go over to Europe for a couple of years, get his confidence in his game back. And then if he wants to, he can try coming back with another team or who knows, but um yeah, hopefully, you know, all the best to him because it did seem like he had some skill. And like you said, he, he was able to get some points and, you know. Like he's not a bad player. Yeah, it, it just, just, it seems like he couldn't, you know, maybe. He's guy. Maybe, maybe it wasn't the right fit in Ottawa. And then he just got passed on the depth chart by a bunch of guys this year. So he, you know, you can kind of see the writing on the wall at one point. And if your choices are, you know, play in Belleville and you're not happy there or go back to your, like where you're familiar with things and play hockey there for, you know, the same money or more then it makes sense for him to go back to Europe. Yeah. And especially because he's probably going to get way more opportunity over there. Oh, get more playing time. But speaking of Belleville, um, Ottawa's third first round pick from the most recent draft, Ridley Gregg, he was, playing first line center for Belleville, uh, their stretch against Laval. Eh? Oh, really? How is Bel- yeah. Belleville doing? Bad. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know uh, the I Marlies think, are kicking some ass. Yeah, I think Belleville is averaging five goals against a game. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, but Ridley Gregg has been doing well. Maybe the Senators should talk- call up those goalies. <laughs> we did. We brought up Gustafson. Oh. Or not Gustafson, Decord. Yeah, no. He was one of those goalies who let in five goals in a game. Okay, yeah, they should get him in some games and tell me when they're going to do that so I can bet a bunch of money against them again. <laughs> it should be against Calgary, so it should be yeah. soon. Speaking of, uh, Dezingle should be getting in next week. Yeah, that's the right. Plans yeah, seem- his uh, quarantine is going to be ending soon. Now, it is kind of weird because Ottawa is going to be going on the road, so I guess he's going to have to try to catch up with them somehow or just wait until they get back home. It seems like the plan is once his quarantine is done, he's going to spend like four to six days practicing and skating, and then they'll play him. Which makes sense because they're not allowed to work out or skate or do anything when they're in their two-week quarantine. Correct. They have to be quarantined yeah. for two so weeks. So that, that really sucks for him because you know he worked super hard to get into game shape before the season, and then now it's like, all right, mid-season, you've got to just do nothing for two weeks. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty suck. rough, especially when you just come back. Yeah. So in, like what, what you said, that does make sense. It sounds like uh, they'll wait until they get back from uh, this, uh, from going out West, I guess, early next week. I imagine they're probably heading out there. I believe so. Yeah. I know we have a game in Montreal mixed in there somewhere. So maybe he'll join us for that one. Well, you know what? The Senators have a game tonight in Ottawa against Calgary, and that just started a few minutes ago. So let's uh, work towards wrapping this up here with a sure. uh, a round of the double agent game. We have to play Ooh. because I've been putting the uh, stuff up on our social media all this week. Um, I hope you haven't seen any of the guesses. No, I purposely avoided Wicked. it. Wicked. Uh, but before we actually start up, uh, we'll give shout-outs to last week's um, – or last week's double agent game winners and our head-to-head winners as well. Uh, Lots of overlap here. Um, We've got on Instagram, our friends from the blue line report and Jack Bailey. 
uh, as well as journal Jack. journalism john on instagram actually uh won this week's um double agent game so we'll we'll see how quickly you can get this geeks because he got it on the first like the initial three clues that i give out oh shit yeah <laughs> so props to journalism john for that one um and our head-to-head winners from last week, uh, Jack Bailey on Instagram and Matt Nafe on Twitter. Oh, it's always those two. They always get yeah, it. Yeah, always. Also, uh, sorry, quick introduction. Um, Jack Eichel was scratched today. Not injured, scratched. Jack Eichel was? Jack Eichel. Oh, I bet against the, the Sabres, right? Please. Oh, they're playing the uh, the Devils, right? I believe so. Wicked. I, I bet on the Devils. Good. Whew. Thank God. Yeah. NHL game report does indeed have Jack Eichel as a late scratch. Wicked. Paige Thompson replaces him in the lineup. Ah. And Jeff Skinner is a healthy scratch for the third straight game. Yeah. So there is $20 million in scratches. Hey, you know, can't you can't question what they're doing in Buffalo, right? Oh my god. They're, they're experts is... at uh, icing a shitty team, so you can't you can't uh, you can't question their methods when they do inexplicable things like that. Who the hell would Jack Eichel? That's something we should do next show is Jack Eichel mock trade if he isn't traded before then. But anyway, let's get into the double agent. Yeah. Um, here, I'm just pulling it up. Okay. So are you ready for this, Geeks? I never am, but I'm. let's do it anyway. Okay. So for those of you listening, um, you can go to our Instagram and Twitter pages to play along every week. I'm posting up our clues before our episode now, so you can uh, try to get your guesses in and, uh, you know, get some bragging rights over Keegan. Um, just like journalism John is about to, I'm sure. Um, so here we go. The uh, The rules are the, of the game. I've got a list of all of the players that have played for both the Ottawa Senators and Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm going to give Keegan three clues to start off. And then he's going to tell me how many extra clues it's going to take him in order to guess this player. Uh, they could be active or inactive. So keep that in mind, everybody. Here we go. This double agent, his current age, he is 37 years old. Most recent, okay. most recently played for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Curtis McElhenney. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Fuck yeah! <laughs> there you go. Ooh. <laughs> Two clues. There you go. And I did not see it. No, you didn't. I think you're. Nope. I think you're a dirty little liar. <laughs> oh, I, I did not see it. There you go. There, there's a new record it. for you. Holy. Wait, what was the third clue? The third clue is his career NHL games, which is 239. Oh yeah, I, that may not have helped. <laughs> but yeah, no, I um, I may have seen it. Oh yeah, you fucking cheater! <laughs> yeah, you cheater! I I'm gonna I'm, I I'm gonna did not re- I'm gonna change the password for the Instagram and Twitter now. <laughs> I didn't realize what it was for, and I just saw an answer. <laughs> I thought it was for the head to head. You I saw... fucking cheater! <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. No, you still cheated, you little bastard! I unknowingly cheated. All right, well uh, that that's it for this week then. You said you wanted to make it quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Um, please make sure that you're following the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at Little Hockey Pod. 
You can follow me on Twitter, Jordan at J uh, small one seven seven one, and you can follow Keegan at L I L underscore little twenty eight. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Uh, rate and review the show. We will read any five-star reviews from Apple Podcasts. Uh, I checked this morning. There are none. We have not had any since July. So please go ahead and uh, rate and review the show so we can read your wonderful words oh, for everyone um, to hear. I, fun fact, when I was at work, one of my, uh, one of my buddies came in and he said he listened to the show uh so shout out johnny cashman oh, okay there we go so thank you for thank you for checking us out and thanks for the kind words so yeah that's that's the stage that we're at now is we're going to thank our listeners individually by name so <laughs> <laughs> please send your uh your first name and last name to our uh instagram or twitter page and we'll give you a, a shout out and um uh, Johnny's a really good guy. He also knows significantly more about hockey than we ever did. Uh, yeah. Or will. Well, that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Absolutely. That's not a high bar to set. But I think it's time for me to go watch a Sens Calgary game. And it's time for me to go edit and upload and do all of the hard work for this podcast. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I had a little thanks, everyone. cheater. All right. We'll catch you later, everyone. <laughs> Hey, I beat I beat journalism John, what journalism John? Uh, I beat him. I only needed two clues. Yeah, but there's no there's Because you no, already gave me the there's answer. There's no way. Yeah, he gave you the answer. <laughs> All right. Catch you later everybody. See you guys.